Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. The talk of the night at the end of it is the Harry Carey hologram. Your thoughts on the Harry Carey hologram? Yeah, I thought it was weird. Um... Um, from what I read about it, it seemed like people there liked it. But the Twitter reaction and the reaction of people watching it on TV was like mine, that it was kind of creepy. And so I understand that Harry Carey is a throwback, right? So that fits with like the old timiness of the event. But a hologram is futuristic technology, which does not fit with the throwbackiness of the night. And so here you have, uh, you know, there's there's nothing mechanical, right? I mean, it's a mechanical scoreboard. There's no jumbotron. No, they have people like in the old timey, yeah, hanging the hats and bow ties, hanging up the scores each inning. So this conflicts with the whole kind of theme of the old timey night. Then you bring in Star Wars technology, um, and so I I didn't care for it, and I don't think the I, I did a Fox News rundown on this. I don't think the it's incongruent to me. And I don't think the hologram has been mastered in the 45 years since we saw Obi-Wan Kenobi done by George Lucas very, very well in 1977. The movie technology is not caught up to our technology circa 2020. So it's creepy. It's, it's almost like just like a movie screen until they go behind him to show you, no, no, we've got this in some sort of 3D technology, it, it was not right for the occasion to me. So uh, Use his voice. You, Have his voice. Yeah, it, you know, it was weird to me. and I, I don't know. Maybe you didn't feel this. I, I didn't, I didn't think voice. it looked like him in the face, and maybe my memory of Harry Carey is different. Uh, I, could, I could see Harry Carey in my mind's eye, and I'm watching the hologram thinking, this doesn't really look like him in the face. But A lot I of know people were sending out memes taking videos of, him of the character from Up. Yeah, the, yeah. The old with man with the big glasses. The old man and up. That, uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it was um, a force. So, speaking of uh, incongruous in terms of the whole scene and the vibe, I think when they go from what, which is a really cool entry to the game, and they're going to keep doing that every year, when the current players and the old uniforms are walking out, and you've got older greats, Ferguson Jenkins, Johnny Bench. Andre Dawson, Barry Larkin, all walking with the current players and looking around and just strolling through the outfield out of the corn is really cool. They've got that Field of Dreams music that that is one of those scores that you play it and I want to start crying. It's just one of those emotion-driving songs. And then they go to Pitbull right after they take the field and start warm-ups. There should not be Anything any current, current. music. Yeah. Organ music is fine. All like, old. Anything old, keep with the Field of Dreams music, have the organ playing. It was just odd that it's like, oh, now it's a Major League Baseball game, and they're out there doing their stretches and throwing. You know, it goes from this moment on the television broadcast where they're walking out of the field immediately, immediately to some hip-hop song 
that is fun in any other sporting event but feels way out of place in Dyersville, Iowa for this yeah, event. It's disjointed. Just be all old. Make it an old night. Take us back. Play I, it during the day. The way they did it last year, it, th- this is one of those things that it's so corny. Like it is so, and not uh, pun intended with the corn. It's so cheesy. Everything about it is just overwrought. But it works. That is a movie that is that way. Th- this game is that way. And f- for whatever reason, you combine all of it, Paul, and it still works. The open, uh, I thought, was really well done where it showed the kid that was watching the game a year ago. It went back to last summer. He's watching the Braves win the World Series, get excited about baseball. His dad gets him a glove for Christmas. Then he's playing his Little League game in the spring. Then his dad takes him to Iowa, and they're throwing in the, the old field. And the ball gets past him and goes into the corn. And then there's Ken Griffey Jr. that picks it up out of the corn, and the dad says, well, that's the kid, because he was explaining to him about the hawk uh, 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 and how you know the better the nickname, the better the player. Before that, um, Andre Dawson he was describing before. But then to have Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. stroll on the field together to start it and have a catch – Pretty neat. I thought that was a, a nice touch that I was not expecting. Now the challenge is, and there are countless things you can do, but the challenge is theming that up because you set the bar with Kevin Costner walking out originally, looking around the field, then the players following him, the Yankees and the White Sox. Now you've got the Griffies and Griffey on mic saying, hey, Dad, let's have a catch. Really funny that King Griffey Sr. dropped the, the ball on the first throw, and you could tell Griffey Jr. was laughing at him having to bend down slowly and pick it up as an old man. Uh, But that was really cool. You know, what's next with what you can do with who's going to come out of that corn first each and every year, right? I I think that's the challenge of an event like that. But we've talked about it, Paul. I'd love for every team in Major League Baseball to go once a year. Then you could still have the big TV spectacle one time with the Field of Dreams game and make it Field of Dreams, you know, themed. But I thought all in all, well done. But, look, there are two teams that are bad. So who cares ultimately about the game? I think they could, you know, keep coming up with stuff. But also you don't have to, to kill yourself for it. I, I'd, I'd be thrilled to see Costner again. I'd be excited to see the Griffies again. I, I didn't see it last night because I was stuck on uh, with, with preseason football. I would have preferred it. But, um, you know, as long as you have an original well of ideas and don't get – cheesy uh, about it uh, overly cheesy about it um, there are other father sons they could do for a time uh, but you know keep it old timey but see it's the rare thing that like the cheese factor doesn't bother me it, it, it's already overly cheesy but it works it with that music with that scene with talking lovingly and a, and a love letter about the game of baseball and fathers and sons and all that. I'm cool with it, It too. just works. And it's way over the top with everyone, but it's the rare over-the-top thing that I think completely works and connects on so many levels, and, and I enjoyed it for that reason. I wonder how much father-son uh, catches go up. Oh, it, it's cool seeing all the people that are on the other field throwing. The, the pregame started an hour before, and they have those drone shots overhead. And you see people going to the game that are just over on the other field throwing. And then people walking their way over through that path, through the corn to go to the other park to take in the ball game. Really cool scene. I think this game and the buildup to it, it's a reminder to me that baseball is not a hard sell. I think we fool ourselves and convince ourselves, man, this is going to be hard for a younger generation and you know people can't connect to it and this and that. 
And I watched that last night, and I'm thinking to myself, there are so many different ways to sell this game and its connection to us and our national pastime that can connect to kids of all ages. I'm watching the Little League World Series and thinking the same thing. Um, I guess I come away from it hopeful that it's not as difficult of a sales pitch to keep baseball right there near the top for a long time when I watch something like this. I'm encouraged hearing you say that and feel that, but I tend to disagree because I I don't know how um, kids ingest sports in highlights. So what's the most highlighty sport? And baseball generally isn't it heading towards three true outcomes. Uh, They're not looking at strikeouts. You know, unless you could show them a really nasty pitch, and most kids aren't interested in that. Mine is the nasty pitch. Well, and, and maybe it's just going. Run. It's going to the games. You know, that's the big draw. Like yeah. you got it. You got to be there type out. thing. Because again, I, I say all this, and I'm I'm in awe of the history of the game, and the build up to it, and then the greats coming out, and just they have that presence about them in their old uniform, walking out onto the field. But I'm also saying this while stating I watch two innings of the actual game because I just don't care about the Reds and the Cubs. See, the way you were game. talking about it and the way you wrote on the rundown, I thought you watched – I would have bet you watched no, the whole I, thing. No, so I, I, I recorded it and went back this morning and watched a, a, a good chunk of it. Here's my big takeaway from the actual game broadcast. Joey Votto is going to be better than Tony Romo or anyone else you want it that comes to mind as a great former player analyst when he's done. He is terrific. He was as good as, and John Smoltz I think is great, he was as good talking baseball with John Smoltz while playing first base for the Reds in the middle of the game as anyone that could be sitting there calling the game with him. That's awesome. He is an unbelievable star, the way he can communicate the game and talk about it. They even asked about who are the best talkers, conversationalists at first, because he's known as the best in the game at joking around with a guy at first base. And uh, he had Contreras at first, at the time, leading off. And he said, yeah, you know, most of them are good, but we got old grumpy Contreras here who never wants to talk to me, even though I say all these funny things to him. And he's taking his lead off and comes back and kind of laughs at him. He mentioned Freddie Freeman as another one's the best. And Rizzo. He said Rizzo, former Cub, now a Yankee, was always really good to talk to at first base. But he's going to be great whenever he decides. He's, I, mean, I feel like that's the path he's headed on. When he becomes an analyst, he's going to be uh, really good. I would bet other first basemen are good with first basemen because they're looking. If you're looking for conversations yourself, then you tend to be a good conversationalist to the to the guy well, on the other side. The uh, you know you could tell. Oh, look, this guy knows there's 20 something games under 500. They're not really going anywhere. But I mean, he's talking to Joe Davis and John Smoltz in the booth, and he's having to stop in the middle and say he's going. The guy first is stealing, like, oh, here he goes, he's going. And then he just goes right back into his thought when the guy steals the base, uh, which is, is interesting to see. I would have liked to have seen that. So news comes out. This is from the AP moving to the NFL now. Deshaun Watson, uh, Paul, would accept an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine. This is a reversal of what he was saying before that he was going to be upset with any punishment whatsoever. Now, they were willing to accept the six-game punishment. Now the NFL is appealing. A lot of people are talking about a full season. This makes sense now that Deshaun Watson is being threatened with the very real likelihood of a 12-to-full-season suspension 
and he's getting word out there that eight games would be fine, and I'll pay $5 million back. Well, he's halfway there on the money because it sounds like the league, uh, what we saw was that they wanted uh, $10 million, and he's halfway there in the games because um, what they, they want 17 uh, open-ended 17, it sounds like. So I, I don't think this – I mean – He's incrementally edging forward, but he's going to have to ultimately come to terms with what they hand down. And I think what we all expect them to hand down is either full season or indefinite, which would wind up probably being a full season. And I think it'll be a double-digit fine, probably around 10. So it's it's nice that he's coming to terms with some of this, but he's going to have to come to terms, I think, with something bigger. In the meantime, he will start tonight for the Cleveland Browns against Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence starting for Jacksonville uh, tonight in that preseason game. I'm going to look up the time. I want to say that game kicks at 5 o'clock Central, right as we're signing off off air tonight. I feel like it's an early start, a 6 o'clock Eastern start, but I'm going to look it up to make sure. um, That game is at – no, it's at at 6. Falcons-Lions is the one that I saw that's at 5 o'clock Central time tonight. Jacksonville, by the way, if you're really into betting on NFL preseason games, two-and-a-half-point favorite, the Jags, tonight against Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Mike Florio, who's a lawyer, speculated that he he thinks the NFL could time a decision coming out today between – three and five Eastern to make it difficult for a challenge to come out that would stop them from stopping him from playing tonight. Also have some backing set up that would prevent anything that, that, uh, that Watson side and the PA could come out with from getting him back on the field. Uh, I, I don't know. It seems crazy to me that they would go to those lengths, um, to stop him from appearing in a preseason game tonight, but at least one NFL insider with a law background and some sources thinks, uh, you know, you and I might be talking about it before so our show's over. Peter Harvey, right, the former yeah. New Jersey Attorney General that's that's here. How long does it really take to go through all the research that's been done by Sue L. Robinson and then reach your own conclusion? Not long. I mean, I feel like it's not – Yes, I think it, it's it's crazy if you're just doing that to, oh, we're going to speed this up now so he didn't play in a preseason game. I also think he's had time to come up with a decision. No, it's also supposed so to be just expedite, an expedited yeah. process from the start. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and think, oh, they rushed a decision to not let him play. I'm thinking they should have a decision any minute now either way. Well, if they release it in this kind of time window, they're definitely doing it for the effect on tonight. Which I think would probably chap Watson and Watson's camp and the NFL PA, but they're you know they'd get into a wrestling match at at this point, which is only naturally the next kind of step in this thing as ugly as the whole whole procedure has been. We got a big show ahead of us again at three o'clock Central. Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio is going to join us. NFL preview continues with Bears and Lions later in the show. Also, Paul and I are going to have a draft of most likely to be fired NFL head coaches coming up later in the show. We're going to go one through eight. I get the first pick. I'll make my decision as the show goes on, and we will let you know who we think is most likely to get fired as an NFL head coach. One guy not getting fired anywhere is Bobby Carpenter. And Bobby, the former Ohio State Buckeye, NFL player, He's going to talk some ball with us when we come back. Bobby Carpenter is next. This is Outkick 360.
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are back on a Friday, downtown Nashville, live from our 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer, alongside Paul Kowarski. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Big show today, and we are kicking it off the right way with Bobby Carpenter, who joins us weekly on the show to talk some ball. Bobby's become one of the better storytellers, I would dare say, in America on this show with some of the stories he's told about his playing days. And uh, we got plenty of stories to get into today, both NFL and college football. Bobby, always appreciate you hopping on. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. I mean, hopefully Hutton will make it back someday. Seems like he's burning a lot of vacation time right now. But you know what? I guess we got a couple more weeks till football officially kicks off. So, you know, it is still the summertime. Getting it out of his system before uh, college and, and NFL ball start. So th- I'm all for that. Um, I'm all for the Detroit Lions winning some football games this year. And that's just after watching one episode of Hard Knocks. I loved it. Uh, I have not been that entertained by the show in a while. Tough not to like Dan Campbell and his no-nonsense approach and his coaching staff that's a bunch of former players that's got over 80 years of playing experience in the NFL. Bobby, you played in Detroit. You know that market. You you know that fan base and how hungry they are. What's it like playing for the Detroit Lions? And w- what's your impression of Dan Campbell and what he's trying to do in Detroit? You know, so I, I never got a chance to play with Dan. I played against him. You know, he went to Texas A&M, started with the Giants, and then he was with the Cowboys right before I got there. And, you know, when I got drafted, he, I believe, signed with the Lions. But he would always come back in Dallas and kind of make it his home. So I was fortunate enough to kind of get to know Dan, his wife, Holly. You know, he's hanging out. Him and Jason went really close. So we, we get to see each other a lot in the offseason. And I told people when Dan got hired, I'm like, he's a combination of, like, I don't know, like Wyatt Earp and the Big Lebowski. I, mean, I don't know <laughs> where else you'd kind of go with that. That's a, that's a great mean, combination right there. That's perfectly he's, described. He's tough. He's rugged. He ends every sentence with man. He's got the long hair. like, And so he... He, he has that like grit about him. And when you hear him talk and like you hear those things, a lot of people thought he was going to be too much. And you heard the press conference, like this guy's not going to last because you heard a lot of things about Mike Singletary and these big speeches and how that stuff doesn't work in the NFL, but it works if you're authentic and if it, and it works, if you connect to your guys. And one thing Dan Campbell is, I mean, he, he is the every man and in a city like Detroit that, you know, it, it's unique because, Back in 1950, I think it was the fourth largest city in the country. And, you know, since then, it's just been decimated with job loss, population, uh, migration. It hasn't been a great situation. But the people there, they're really proud. They love football. They're Midwesterners. They're good, hardworking folks. And they want somebody there that's going to come in and fight for them and, like, be relatable and be one of the guys. And that's Dan Campbell. When you see him, you're doing 40 up-downs, you know, before the practice with his guys, like, that's endearing. It's easy to sit there and talk a big game and do all that stuff. Like 
his guys love him because what you're seeing is what he is all the time. And when you have a lot of former players on the roster, on your coaching staff, what that usually gives you is authenticity. And so often in you know high-level college athletics and in professional sports, your coaches, they may tell you one thing, and then they go in the staff meetings, they go in the you know meetings with the personnel people, the scouts and everything during camp, and they're going to say something completely different. And I didn't realize that was the case till probably my second year. But Dan, that, that's not who he is. That's not how Bill Parcells was. And, you know, Dan played for Bill. Aaron Glenn played for Bill. I mean, those guys were down with Sean Payton. All these disciples were, like, dude, we're just going to tell you how it is. You may not like it, and it may hurt, but you would rather know that you're on the fringe of getting cut or losing your job, and here's why. And so I'm going to give you a chance to correct it as opposed to just patting you on the back and telling you everything's okay. And I'm going to get in there. I'm going to fight for you. I want you to have a job. I want you to work with it. I'm going to try to make you as good as you can be and put you in the best position to have success. Because if you're having success and we're winning, it's going to be good for everyone. And so as I watch Dan up there and I see a lot of guys who I played with, played against, like I look at that, I'm like, that, that's a fun team. They're going to work really hard. They may not be the most talented, but they're going to win games that they probably shouldn't win because they're going to out-execute people and be a little tougher than them. And in an era now where you know talent is king and you have to have a quarterback to be successful, I, I think that's true. You have to have a quarterback to probably win a Super Bowl, and they're working on that. And I don't know if Goff is the guy or not. Probably not. But they're going to have everything else in place. And he's going to build a culture of winning. He's going to get them in a spot where everybody believes they can win every week. And it's a place that I think people want to play. The other piece, of like the Fords are good owners, man. Like they invest money into the team. They provide what you need. The food was good. The facilities are nice. And you have a, a fan base and, a, and a, a group of fans and a crowd that like they want to be behind you on Sunday. You just have to give them something to cheer about. He gets that buy-in on the personality and on the honesty. But how long does the honeymoon last? If they don't win, they uh, first year obviously get a pass and they get the number two pick in the draft. If they're picking second in the draft again, how how long does it last until guys say, "Hey, great guy," but it's not translating into W's? Well, I, I think it will. But the best thing they have going for them is they're in the NFC North, and so Aaron Rodgers is up there, probably not going to win it. But the Bears, I mean, they look like they're a much bigger mess than the Lions. Yeah, the Vikings bad. are in kind of a pseudo rebuild mode. You know, they're going to have a fairly easy schedule. Like I would imagine that the Lions probably win five to seven games this year, probably closer to seven. They're going to be competitive in just about all of them. And that's what guys want to see progress. They want to see them moving in the right direction. You know, I was up there with Jim Schwartz, who took him from 0 and 16 to 2 and 14. We went 6 and 10 my first year and then 10 and 6 my second year. Now we had Matt Stafford and Adamican Sue and Calvin Johnson. So that helps. They've got to get the quarterback. But I think the honeymoon will last as long as you're showing progress and continuing to improve. And they know that, Hey, you have to have the quarterback and he might not be the guy that's up there right now, but if you can get everything else in place and when you have the opportunity to draft, you got to get the right guy or find him in free agency. I think that'll buy him a little bit extra time. And the reality is too, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, let's say he plays four or five more years at the you know longer end. I don't know. Maybe he's like Tom Brady and plays the 45. But, I mean, there will be a day where he will be gone. And if Green Bay can string together three consecutive Hall of Fame quarterbacks, then I'll tip my cap to him. But at some point in time, there has to be a regression to the mean. They will come back to the center. And you want to have a guy who's young, who's energetic, 
who has a good staff, and you've built a quality roster around him. So I think they're in this for the long haul and trying to make sure that he's going to have ample time as long as you're continuing to make progress and you still have the locker room. So when I heard the news about Tom Brady stepping away for a couple of weeks and Todd Bowles announced and said it's a, a personal you know, family matter that he's not going to get into, but that he and Brady talked about this before camp started and this was always kind of the plan, Bobby, my immediate reaction is I just don't worry about Tom Brady because with Tom Brady, everything always turns out okay in terms of the football part of it. So I didn't really overreact to the situation. We had Dan Dockich on yesterday. He did give me a different perspective. He said my top question would be, how into this is Tom Brady? Like this is in no way a good thing for Tampa Bay that the guy retired, then he decided to come back, and now he's planning two weeks off before it starts. And I'm not saying he's taking out. I don't know what he's doing, but basically that this can't be spun into something that is good news for Tampa when you look at it. What are your thoughts when you hear this story about Tom Brady and whatever's going on that we don't know what it is right now? So here's the good news for Tampa Bay is that Tom Brady is their quarterback and it's not Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert. Of course. So that's, that's what we're going to start with. The fact that he came back, that's a great thing. Now, you know, having played with Tom briefly, I can't imagine a scenario where Tom would try to come in and mail it in for a season. I think he came back. He probably realizes this is probably this is going to be it. Todd Bowles is the coach. Todd Bowles, a former player. He's got a great relationship. There's not much more about the game of football that Tom Brady can learn. And he's got a relationship with all of their receivers. He understands everything that you need to do to be able to win. He knows how to get his body right. And the reality is, too, when you're 45 years old, they're going to have him on pitch counts during camp. He's on pitch counts during the season in practice just to make sure that he can get through the long, arduous, and grueling season that is the NFL. And so if they talked about this beforehand. I've, I've heard a lot of people around the country like, oh, I mean, it was like you said, is he into it? This is concerning. Are there other players in the locker room that are wondering why is he getting this treatment? Listen, everybody knows why this is happening. Now, hopefully it's nothing serious with his family, and this is something that they just planned and said, hey, you know what, Todd? I'm not going to play in the preseason. I'm going to take 10 days off. I'm going to be back. You know I'll be ready. We'll be good. All right, Tom, thanks for coming back and making my first year in my second tenure as a head coach much more successful because you'd much rather have Tom Brady than the alternative, and Todd Bowles had to deal with that up with the Jets, so he gets it. He understands it. Tom's going to be ready to go. The vets in the locker room are happy. They, would, they wouldn't care if Tom came to practice once a week as long as he showed up on Sunday and was able to be Tom Brady, the guy that we know. And I'm telling you this, I don't think Tom Brady would be playing right now if he didn't think he could be the Tom Brady that he has always been. He would have hung it up. He's not coming out here just to mail it in. He's coming out here to try to win a Super Bowl and to be able to have success. And so with all of those things, He's earned the right, more so than anybody else in league history. The guy has won seven Super Bowls. He's been to 10. He's been remarkable. He's done everything you've asked. He's 45 years old, and he came back for one more season. Now, I know there's the hubbub about Sean Payton and him to the Dolphins and ownership and all that different stuff. But the reality is now, the guys look at this. You have Tom Brady. When you have 12, you have a chance. He always keeps you in the game. He will be ready to go. He will be more prepared than anybody else you're going to play. And I think they can rest easy knowing that. And the reality is, too, I don't think Todd Bowles particularly minds the fact that, hey, 
we can get Gabbard and Trask, especially Trask, and see what we have with this guy. We drafted him. We got Tom Brady. He got to sit a little bit. You know, he was good at Florida. Let's see if he can kind of lead a little bit. Tom's not even here, so this is going to kind of be his team. Let's see if he can take the reins and show some leadership going into a year where we might not have Tom, if he can ultimately prove to us that he is going to be the guy. So a lot of people look at this as a negative for Tampa, like, oh, Tom's not into it. He's cashing the chips. No, I, I I know too much about Tom Brady to know that he would ever have any of that in his soul. And I think that honestly, Todd Bowles probably wasn't upset with it. Rest your arm. We'll take a look at the young guys. You come back every year ready to go. You're 45. You've been doing this longer than most guys have been coaching in the league. You'll be good. Guess who gets to watch Gabbard and Trask throw one-on-ones down the street Wednesday and Thursday? <laughs> Woohoo! Coming up to Nashville without Tom Brady for hey, the joint practice. Uh, Big sound, blow to this city. Sounds like you're concerned that um, Ohio State's meaningful night games are going to dwindle under this new Big Ten TV contract with the, the three set time slots on the three different networks. Your thoughts on the, the setup now? Yeah, it's crazy, Paul, because like every I don't need, you know, every game to be a night game. I don't want every game to be a night game. I want the games to act accordingly and be tiered up where when you're playing Toledo. I don't need a seven o'clock kick on BTN. I want to take my kids to that game at noon, yep. hang around for a while, get in, get out, probably watch a little bit of the third quarter, hop on the bikes, ride home and come watch the rest of the day. But instead, you put it at seven o'clock. So now I can't take my kids. Nobody really wants to go to that game anyway. And you just putting it at night doesn't make it a bigger game. But the problem is with the way the, the, the media deal set up, I think it's going to be great for the Big Ten. But Fox, they're at the tier one, and they're going to want to push the big noon kickoff. Well, their number one and number two and probably number three property is going to be Ohio State. And then you'll sprinkle USC, Michigan in there, Penn State as well. But if they have the first choice, CBS, who has the second choice at 3.30, and you guys know with the SEC, they were able to flex those to some evening slots. But if you have NBC as the third tier, and they're always going to have that Saturday night game, I don't know any big game. Ohio State Notre Dame is not making that to the third tier selection. So I, I just don't know how it's going to work. As I began to think through it the other day, thought, man, like, you're telling me you're only going to get BTN games and maybe a random NBC game versus, you know, Rutgers or Indiana or something like that at night like that. That doesn't sound very good at all. I like to see the big non-conference games at night. Michigan can stay at noon out of tradition. And I'm good with that. But you got Michigan State and Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, some of the big dogs in the Big Ten, USC when they join. And you're telling me you can get a nice like mid-October kick at 730 or 8 o'clock like that. That hits the spot, man. You guys know you get the tailgate all day. Really enjoy it and live it up. So I, I hope that my suspicions are unwarranted, but as I just do the math on it and look through it right now, there is some level of concern for me. That's reasonable. Let's compare and contrast now Big Ten setup versus SEC setup. Big Ten did a great job of getting a lot of people involved. You know, They've got the networks involved. Fox, NBC, CBS with their new deal. The SEC has gone with this approach of we're partnering with Disney, ESPN, ABC. And we are going – the SEC network essentially is now ESPN. What do you think about the difference between the two, the, the advantages, the disadvantages? Bobby, I feel like every time we talk about this, it kind of goes away from football. And then where you see the real downfall is that's a big blow to the basketball in the Big Ten. 
not having those ESPN games and all of that inventory on ESPN for basketball to be played on the network. What do you think about the difference between the two right now? So, you know, number one, I think the, the as far as SEC partnerships, ESPN, you know, still dominates studio shows, and they have the the best viewership for local for live programming throughout the day. And then they obviously have uh, the selection shows, which is a big deal, and everybody turns to that. And so, like people get upset if they're pushing the SEC and ACC. Well, listen, it's just good business. You're going to push this, the properties that you own and talk about those the most and promote them the most. Now they do understand, like Ohio State is. <laughs> You talk about them, it's going to obviously draw a big number. You're going to pull them in, but you don't have any of their games. And so there's, like you said, there's some advantages to both. I mean, there'll probably be some streaming stuff. I'd imagine you got ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, like there's all the networks and opportunities there for the ACC and SEC, you know, to be able to be exposed on. Obviously, they have the ABC platform uh, to be out there as well. So you know who you're dealing with. You're dealing with the same group all the time. Big 10, more diverse. And so like I was just outlining as far as the night games, like, I don't know how that's going to work. You know, if Fox, like, hey, if Iowa State said, we want to play USC at night. Like, that's the reality. It's better for the West Coast for them to kick off at 5 o'clock their time. And when they're in Columbus, we want to kick them off at 8 o'clock so that their fans can watch there too. Like, how are they going to do that? If they tell Fox, well, they, we want to go at noon. Well, that's not good for USC fans. And it's not really good for Ohio State fans either. So when you're dealing with a, a, a group, a, a mixed bag, you're going to get more, I think, broader exposure through three networks, but you are going to have some of those hiccups that are going to have to be managed. And then I think some of this stuff is going to be on Peacock, which you know that's another 12, 15 bucks a month. And in 2023, gentlemen, that's the year I put my foot down on streaming services. I'm, this is no longer just the buffet, buy everything, kids. We're, we're doing whatever we want. I'm, we're finding what we watch, picking two or three of them, and that's it. Because the era of the streaming and yeah, the app-based subscription – it was supposed to be less money. I mean, I think I spend like $1,500 a year now between like cable and subscription services. And I think we only watch probably, I watch less TV now than I ever did. So I don't know where, what I'm spending money on. So I'm going to have to figure out, I'm pairing stuff back and that might be Peacock. I don't know. I, I may not, I may not get it because I, I just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of spending $12.99, $15.99. Netflix is going up. You know, all this crap, Apple Plus, they're going to have some games, I guess. NFL is going to be on there. I mean, it's just there's so much crap now that you're going to be buying. And so that, that's one of the, the pros, I guess, also with it embedded as a con that you're going to have there. Um, but, I mean, it's basically Fox and ESPN that are driving this bus. And I, I do think this will be good for the college football playoff as well because if you expand this thing to 12 or 16 teams, I think it would be better served to do it like the NFL does it and – Hey, ABC gets this game. Fox gets this game. CBS gets this one. NBC here, you know, ESPN, AB, and you blend them out throughout the day. It just, I don't know. I seem to like that that model better, especially with the wild card weekend and two triple headers. It just seems better to me to get more people involved at that because the NFL does it so well. So hopefully that's kind of what happens there as they move forward in 2025. Dude, just pay three bills or whatever it is for cable, Comcast, that I've got, and Peacock's free. It's a real bargain. Yeah, I, I don't get Peacock. Uh, uh, and I, I'm with you. Like I, I pay so much for cable and then everything look. else. So, But there are certain things that we don't have. I feel like there are few, very what few people have? who have everything. I don't have what? Peacock. I don't pay for Hulu. <laughs> uh, I'll just say that. 
Those are the two, I yeah. think. I've he's got, got Paramount two Plus. He doesn't have. I've got Disney Plus. I've got Apple TV. Yeah, I've he's got, got Prime. virtually everything. Yeah, I've got I've got everything else, but th- those two I don't have. Um, so, Bobby, you've got Ohio roots, and Mark Stoops has Ohio roots from Youngstown. Mark Stoops is a fighter. There's there's no doubt about it. I don't know if claiming that Kentucky football is bigger or better than Kentucky basketball is the fight you want to have in the Commonwealth because that's what's going down right now. He certainly took exception to some things that John Calipari said in an interview about Kentucky being a basketball school and kind of gave the, with all due respect, the football team, you know, they win 10 games or whatever. That's great. That's good for everyone. But this isn't Alabama. This isn't Georgia. We're a basketball school. Those are football schools. Your thoughts. So I think there was a couple things in there. Number one, and Mark Stoops is from Youngstown, Ohio. The same people that are like same ilk of people exist in Youngstown are the ones that are left in Detroit. I mean, it's a tough group. I mean, Jim Trestle is probably the most measured person from Youngstown, followed by Bob Stoops. And then the Stoops brothers, Pat Narduzzi and Polini, they're just like spiraled off everywhere else. Okay, so I mean, you guys are familiar with Bo Pelini. You oh, see yeah. what he's all about. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a Youngstown crazy. dude. I mean, Pat Narduzzi, Youngstown guy, Mark Stoops, Youngstown guy. They're not going to be disrespected. And with all due respect to Cal, the football program has probably achieved more on a relative basis over the last four or five years than the basketball program has, especially when you start talking about expectations. And you know, my wife is from right down on the southern tip of Ohio. So like, I've said this to you guys a number of times. Like, her dad went to EKU. There's a uh, there's a lot of folks there that, you know, a lot of her friends went to Kentucky. You know, we go down to Keeneland. You know, it's, it's not far, man. It's just a couple hours. And so I get it and I understand it. And I think, yeah, Kentucky basketball is obviously number one. But num- I, would, I would tell Stoops, he could have thrown this out there. There's only about four basketball programs that make money. I think Kentucky's one of them. You've got Kansas, Duke, probably North Carolina. But of that of that media contract that's coming in that's paying all the bills, that's because of Kentucky football. That's not because of Kentucky basketball. And so I know Coach Well, and that's Cal why they got do- their practice facility. <laughs> that's what exactly. Stoops is saying. That's, that's what Calipari wants is what the exactly. football team got. Yeah. So he wants that, but you don't need to throw shade at your football program, just talk about how good you are and all the national titles and everything that you're doing. I think he made a big mistake when he went and encroached on his football program, which has a ton of momentum behind him. They're the fourth ranked team in the SEC in the coaches pool. You think about it. You got Bama and Georgia, obviously the top, then A&M. Kentucky's the next on the list. Ten years ago, that would have been crazy talk to think that they're ahead of Tennessee and ahead of Florida. You know, and this is a year they could make some moves. If they find a way to win 10 games again, you know, 11 games, if they can, and they played a great first half against Georgia last year. That was one of the best first halves against Georgia that anyone played. They just didn't have the horses to ultimately be able to get it done. But don't think for a second that Mark Stoops didn't walk into his team meeting room this morning and bring this up. The fact that they got disrespected by Coach Cal, and then he also had to loop in Bama. And, you know, like football programs, like saying, hey, you guys weren't good enough to get recruited there. You had to settle for Kentucky. Like that that's essentially what he was throwing out. And so that's you can always hype up your own program without being dismissive to someone else. And I, I just I can't imagine like Ohio State's a football school. I can't imagine any Ohio State football coach throwing shade like that at a basketball coach 
and like squashing them down because they want more resources. Like you go pitch, we're Kentucky basketball. We've had all these titles. We've done this, this, and this. These are all the guys we have in the NBA. We've had all this success. Go pitch it yourself. You don't need to sit there and try to and try to compare yourself relatively to the football program. And that I think right there is a sign of Cal's insecurity. The fact that the football program is rolling. They've been filling up their stadium. People are passionate about it. Mark Stoops has built this thing, I think, beyond anybody's dreams. And it's taken him time and he's done it the right way. And so listen, I, Mark, I'd take Mark Stoops in a fight over Coach Cal any day. And if they want to raise some money, they might want to start right there. Rupp Arena, get that thing going, get out the cage, the octagon. Let's see what those two guys have. We uh, we know better than to disrespect Bobby Carpenter. That will not be happening on this show. Bobby, hey. thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Real quick, by the way, and I haven't checked everything today, but how great was it with Brian Harson, you know, Auburn just trolling right away, him and Bruce with a picture together. Oh, like Tennessee did the same thing. They immediately released a video, Danny White did, of this is an everyone school, and they showed them winning the basketball yes. SEC championship, the baseball SEC championship, women's sports, and there there was some trolling in the SEC when they had their little feud, Gosh. for sure. See, that that's great. And I, I'm not on today with Jacob Hester. He's my guy that relays all this to me. I was hoping that Lane Kiffin would get something there with like I'm a sure family picture there. He's, just know, got, like, he's got to think something up. He's got to think the right oh, thing yeah. up, then he'll send it. Be you open it up, man, and the coaches are going to come at you oh, as no soon doubt. as there's any weakness. And that's hey, awesome. Hey, Bobby, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Great stuff. Thank you. When we come back, it's Harry Doyle time. We'll explain. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So the Field of Dreams game was last night, which got a lot of people nostalgic about other baseball movies, including Full Marks goes to Danny Parkins for this, who is co-host of Parkins and Spiegel on 670 The Score in Chicago, who tweeted the following, and this caught my eye as someone who is a huge fan of the movie Major League. Free idea at Major League Baseball. The Major League game, Brewers versus Guardians, Bob Uecker on the call, do it on Apple TV so Harry Doyle can be completely uncensored. Bring on guests from the movie like Sheen, Snipes, and Dennis Haysbert. You're welcome. I love this idea. It's not going to be nearly as big as Field of Dreams. Looked it up. Bob Euchre's 88. I don't think he's calling a full slate of games anymore for the Brewers. But even if he wasn't a part of it, bringing back cast members to the movie, wearing the old uniforms, which I don't know how they do that now with the Guardians. That'd be great. But I think it'd be really cool. A lot of to fun. Have something like Very that. good idea. Do all the baseball movies bring that it all have back. major league tie-ins. Let's bring it all. Have back. the kid who owned the Twins. Little Big League. Do that. Little Big League night have for the him Twins. In the booth. Target Field. Come on down. Billy Haywood, the the 12-year-old owner of the team and manager, can be a part of it. 
I'm for all of these movie tributes. We're going to talk to Aaron Torres next. Outkick 360.